Sports is a trillion-dollar industry in the United States alone. And while sports has been a part of our cultural landscape for more than 100 years, eSports and tabletop streaming are very new industries that are vying for a very different audience. Can these new forms of entertainment satisfy the nerd world's need for an alternative to football, basketball, and baseball? We'll discuss that and more today on Dungeons and Tangents. All right, so uh, today we've got myself, Eric Dewhurst, Robert Sherman, as always. Sorry, I pointed at him as he was drinking. Robert Sherman? Yes. And? Ben Krickenberger. <laughs> All right. And we're going to discuss kind of the difference between uh, D&D and sports, which seems like an odd subject matter, but I'll repeat the the... the the premise here. We were sitting in the living room of the company where all three of us work. The TV was on playing uh, ESPN. And I thought, <clears throat> out loud, I thought, because I think everything out loud, why is it that sports is a multi-billion dollar industry with um, people uh, watching it on TV, having commentary about it, um, sports players being sponsored by big companies, whereas something like D&D is not. D&D and sports have a lot in common in so much as uh, you can... Okay, now, now it's just falling apart, isn't it? <laughs> so, well, I mean, as soon as you said that, we decided all the things that how it, how it doesn't have in common. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's a lot of parallels, right, as far as today with D&D, it being streamed, podcasts, etc., there's an an actual spectating audience. Right. It. It's not just the only people who are involved are those who are engaged and interacting. It's those who are also spectating and, and viewing it. So I think that was the first parallel that we kind of drew for that. Right. But then we started talking about the, the scale and the, the money involved. And what is it that sets, you know, those kind of organized sports apart from actual play D&D, things like that, like football, basketball, you know, there's a, a crazy amount of money involved in that. And so at, what, at that point, how did those diverge? Well, what is the difference there? Well, um, I think you were pointing out that you, you root for a team. Like you're, you're pulled into sports, not just cause, uh, cause it's something to watch. Cause we watch TV shows, but we don't like, root for characters. Okay, maybe we do a little bit. That was actually Ben's observation, but yeah. Yeah, that was, was, yeah, that was my main point. It's, oh, that was yours? Yeah, it's teams. Like, you have teams uh, associated with certain cities. People choose a side. Right. And they root for them. <clears throat> they buy they buy clothes. You know, right. all sorts of things. There's a huge market for that. But you can't really do that listening to D&D. Not really. Maybe kind of, but not really. I think I think you can. I just um, I think organized sports have had a head start on <laughs> on tabletop, right? So they've had a lot of time to mature. But one thing that is uh, here's a similarity. One of the appeals of say baseball is that you can go out in your backyard and you can play baseball, 
you can know the the game of baseball and we can all anybody can go online download the basic rules of D&D and start playing yep. it's it's a very easy to uh, access sort of thing assuming you're the kind of person who would do that now my brother dragged me out into the backyard and we played football and we played baseball and I hated every minute of it if my brother had dragged me into the garage and we played D&D I would have been like oh my god this is amazing I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, I think that it goes back to, you know, one having a head stuck in the other. There are, you know, parents and siblings today who are like, hey, let me teach you about D&D. And there's more of that today than there was before. That's true. But, so that's that kind of thing is, as far as being like accepted culturally, is growing. But for hundreds of years, it's been, hey, let's go in the backyard and we'll play catch or, you know, we'll throw a football around or play frisbee or... I don't know, whatever that typical experience is, I'm not familiar with it, but, you know, that's ingrained as being not just acceptable, but expected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was failing as a little boy when I couldn't hit the ball, or I didn't give a shit about hitting the ball. <laughs> right. And a lot of it, like for me, I didn't, to this day, know almost nothing about sports, so I would go out and play, you know, I was you know, seven, eight years old. And I would be the only person who didn't know the rules to these kinds of games and stuff. So I was explaining football to you earlier today. And I still don't get it. <laughs> yeah. You, um, you carry the ball to the other end. But like, That's pretty much it. I would go out into a playground and there'd be all these other kids who were like, you know, not that old, like six, seven years old. They thoroughly know all these rules. Right. And it's expected that everyone else will. So it, that is so ingrained culturally that... That's a huge advantage for that for that industry to yeah to make money right yeah it's not like um, parents don't buy kids their first set of dice they should they yeah. should but they don't <laughs> disclaimer you know choking hazard and all that but, yeah well you you don't buy okay maybe you maybe you buy your your kid their first football when they're three if uh, if you're that type of person. I had, I had a friend in the first gaming group that I joined um, when we I moved up to Portland, and he was expecting the kid. And I actually went out and I started to figure out how I could get like a rattle, you know, but then take it apart and pull like whatever was out of it and put in those mini dice. <laughs> and then I started thinking, okay, but what if it comes apart? And then the kid chokes on it, and then I killed my buddy's kid. And then, like, so I immediately started to kind of escalate and spiral like how it could have gone wrong and all that, but. But in the beginning, before my OCD, then I was like, this is a great idea. I'm going to make millions of dollars, uh, you know, before lawsuits and all that. So, yeah, so, I could see you very quickly moving to, oh, how is this going to end up murdering someone? Yeah. <laughs> how is this dangerous? How is this going to make me responsible for something terrible? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so, I guess the first question, the topic is can D&D be as big as sports? And then we got into talking about esports. Yep. Yeah. Because esports is almost as big as uh, normal sports. I think esports is a long way to go before it's financially as significant as <clears throat> regular organized sports, but it is big enough right now that it's using the same model, essentially. Yeah. Where you are, you're, you're getting regional teams together to compete against other regional teams they're getting backed by a sponsor yeah. uh, and, and 
people on these teams it's basically all they do they you know I mean, I've seen the shows where they bunk in a house and they just train all day long holy shit and, um, yeah and I mean the companies that make the games also you know are trying to promote it because it promotes their game so they do things like having in-game skins specifically for certain teams and things like that um I mean, it's. I mean, they're even showing some esports on television now. Yep. So <laughs> what? There's, there's a. I am so out of touch. Now. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely taken off. I think it's still kind of finding its feet, but ultimately, this all comes down to to money as far as how big it is, right? Right. So, and we were talking about this also the, the, the other day, and that is that the people who actually organize, fund, you know, and, and, and hold these kind of events, they don't, you know, spend millions of dollars. And this is my opinion, so I'm, I'm sure I could be wrong. I'm pretty certain I'm not, but uh, they don't spend millions of dollars to build a stadium because they love, love football. <laughs> no. And they might love football. I'm not saying they don't. But at the end of the day, they, they spend millions of dollars to build these stadiums because they're going to make billions of dollars from that stadium, Right. So it's a financial investment, and it's there because people love football so much. They're going to make that money. They're going to go and they pay for it. Um, but ultimately, whether it's uh, you know football or a movie or a TV show or D and D or watching esports, it's all entertainment. It's all. Oh, yeah. It's all we the consumers saying, "I I want to watch something that's going to entertain me." But how do you get somebody so emotionally invested that they're willing to shell out that kind of money about right. the content you're providing? Well, and the the sports industry, they, they have entire sections of the population convinced that they have a chance to be a pro, right? Like kids grow up thinking, I'm going to be a pro athlete, left and right across America. And nobody sits around, well, okay, these days kids are thinking, I, I can be a pro video game player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That happens now. Nobody says, I'm going to be a pro DM. <laughs> well, not, not just a kid thinking like on their own. Well, they, they might. I probably did when I was a kid. You know, I also thought I was going to be a, the space cowboy. So, How's <laughs> <laughs> that coming along? <laughs> work in progress. Not dead yet. So there's still, you know, potential. Um <laughs> But there, there are no that I've ever seen at least D and D scholarships. There are no D and D recruiters. Like, th- there are multiple things going on every day that are actively seeking to make this happen for organized sports. Right. Right. Uh, re- recruiters, scholarships. Like, there's this is something that's being fostered every day because you know they they want this to to be a thing, and it is a thing. So, I think that's the kind of stuff that you're going to have to see before esports or you know tabletop is on that level. You're going to have to see where it's not just it's a hey, it's a thing. If you if you if you really like it, come come to it. You know, like which I think is where Dini's at right now. If you like it, you're going to go and you're going to find it. Or if you're interested, you're going to go and you're going to find it. Um, but with some a couple minor exceptions, there's no like actual like outward reaching forces saying hey. You know about D and D? Come over here, let's play. And you know, you yeah. know there's there's no they don't teach it. There's not a, a PE for D and D. Like it's so, 
ubiquitous in our culture that there's a physical education class and it's understood that you're going to learn about football and baseball and basketball and all that, right? Right. There is no... And that facilitates that entire industry. There's no free period where you're going to learn D&D, you know? Which, why not? Why not? You because... Know, music, art, all that, why, why shouldn't there be a, a tabletop I mean, class? I guess I wouldn't say that tabletop is... Uh, I don't know. It's... It, that would be a hard sell, obviously. Well, I'm but seeing stuff now where people are teaching, they're using tabletop, they're using D and D to teach concepts like math, English, you know, yeah, and all kinds of stuff, and like special needs children, you know, who are shy or anxious, yeah. you know, it draws them out. Absolutely, because it, it engages the mind. Yeah. You know? It also helps children. I've heard therapists use it because it helps children to. Uh, explore the boundaries of their world. Absolutely, there's all kinds of benefits to it, but it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a while before it gets to the point where it's that accepted everywhere. Where it's just you don't even think about it. Right. When was the last time you're like, well, why do we? Well, I guess that's not a good example because I I thought that was when I was a kid. Why do we have a PE class? Right. <laughs> I constantly thought that was a kid, but it, it, nobody like questions it. You know, the, you know it's just it's, it's always been there. <clears throat> True. I, I guess I always thought, oh, they're teaching us how to, uh, I don't know, take care of our bodies. But no, it's it's not really that. It's about, hey, I'm going to teach you physical coordination because some segment of our population believes that sports is a core element of our culture. And it sounds like we're really kind of down on sports. Well, right. I, think that's what I played sports when I was a kid. I played I soccer. Get it that much? I, I don't know. Soccer is a sport. Not, that's something that I'm. I, I engaged in a lot as a kid, so it's just it doesn't really interest me all that much. But there, you know, the, that's not across the board. The other sports I do like. So my personal beef with with sports is not uh, sports itself. It is the discrepancy between sports and other equally entertaining. Uh, Activities, Okay. Like the fact that sports culture owns huge segments of our population and not just owns it from a financial point of view, but from a, like the soul of the entire globe is owned by sports, whether it's cricket, rugby, baseball, basketball, football. As far as how people choose to spend their free time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we choose to spend more of our free time doing things like playing some tabletop games. It could be D&D. It could be uh, Cards Against Humanity. It could be whatever. Well, you know, it also occurs to me that um, it's not a fair comparison because Mm -hmm. you could do a tabletop role-playing game about sports, and I'm sure there are some of that, right? And you you wouldn't expect the same audience because it's not the same experience, right? Now, for sports, if you're going to play something like football at a high level, regardless of whether or not I understand it or, or you know, I, I enjoy watching all that, these are individuals who perform at a top level, who've trained their entire life for it, and they're getting put in a, a, a physical space with 20, 30 other individuals that are in the same way. They get injured. You know, they, they're doing things that normal people just can't do. Like, I, I can't. I can't go up the stairs without being winded. Trying to get me one fifty yards, I'm going to die. So, um, 
the amount of effort and in, in the logistical investment that it takes to get that many people to that level, then gather them and then get them to be on the same page to do something, right? It's That's fair. You know, um, to play D&D on that level would be, for me, like... A, le- a level of like LARPing that I don't know like, <laughs> possible. Like th- think of the SCA, right? When they gather yeah. in, at their events, that's what you're talking about. I think that's uh, that's almost a more appropriate comparison hmm. because of what's involved in that. Right? So for for anybody who's listening, if there's anybody listening, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the SCA. I'm listening. Oh, okay. So that's good. <laughs> we got one. We've got one listener now, Robert. Woo-hoo. We got to start having more people. Join the podcast. One at a time. Just one at a Well. Organic growth. I think I can fit another microphone into our system. <laughs> so we can do two, two at a time. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's double the growth. Anyway, the SCA is the Society for Creative Anachronism. And they're effect- effectively, it's like a private Ren fair. You go out and uh, you go camping and wear period appropriate clothing and do period appropriate things like cooking your food on fire not on a camp stove and uh living in a tent that's not lycra and polyester but and um, depending on the region you're in could be a huge affair oh yeah in our area it is it is huge the, the portland area sca do, when you say a huge affair do you mean I mean, like, I've been to run fairs where it's like 100 or 200 people and you kind of walk around and yeah. it's like maybe two or three square blocks and you're done, right? And I'm talking about, like, huge tracts of land where people set up canopies and it, it looks like something out of a movie. Like a, like a, that, a village just popped up out of nowhere. Yep. You know? That is pretty much every SCA event I've been to has been probably like 100 acres. Yeah. 20 to 100 acres worth of land covered with tents and almost all of them, up, you know, 1,400 to 1,600 period. Um, or I think it's 1,200 to 1,600 is their, their time range. Anyway, these people live and breathe it. They understand the history and the culture and the, the techniques for creating clothing and food and weaponry and hats and everything. And that's what you're talking about as far as, like, top of the game but they don't show up one weekend and like hey cool we're gonna do some SCA stuff like at least not the people that I've talked no. to I've, I've had some friends who were who did it a lot and they're preparing for this months in advance if not all year long making Pretty, clothes yeah well, it's, it it's, is a, it's a lifestyle it's people who legit craft armor mm-hmm. um, and it looks badass like just I have really a friend cool stuff. Uh, I have a, f- a musician friend who his full-time job is making swords. There you go. He makes rapiers, uh, cutlasses. I'm not sure that he does broadswords. Does he just sell them online? Uh, Yeah, online or other places. He has a, down in Eugene, he has a shop. And it's him and like three or four other guys who do laser cutting, laser etching. uh, And I don't know that they do any forging. I think everything is laser and grinding. And then to, to my understanding, because I'll be perfectly upfront, I haven't done this before, but my understanding is they will then go out and they will use those swords on some of that mm-hmm. and, and beat the crap out of each other. Well, yeah, there's, 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 okay, that's. <laughs> but but we to could, that point, like, there's, yeah. there's, 
that is that kind of investment where you, you can legit get hurt. Yeah. There's a lot of people involved. Yep. You're investing your time and your money in it. Um, and the, the preparation is on a entirely different level. I will completely um, think that I've got it, you know, the worst of anybody because I had to spend two hours prepping to run a game, right? <laughs> um, and that's just nothing compared to basically any other hobby on, on the planet Earth. But so, yeah, that, that just seems like it, it, does, it does seem a little unfair for us to compare D&D the, Okay, to that's fair. That's true. When it comes to that kind of an audience and engagement and financial backing. But at the same time, uh, there are sponsorships going on now oh, yeah. in, the, in the tabletop world. Uh, there are a couple actual plays that get... Well, there, a lot of actual plays get sponsorships. Yeah, and we talked about this before. Where like, if you're really successful, actual play, right? <clears throat> How many users do you think listen to you streaming? Not subscribe to listen later, but streaming as live as you're oh. playing. Like, well, I had two hundred people listening to you as you played right then. Would you think that was successful? I would. Yeah, I would think that was phenomenally successful, which is crazy. How about a thousand? If you had a thousand people listening to you, how do you do you think? That well, would be? that's pretty decent. Critical Role, uh-huh. like at their peak, they had thirty-two thousand, thirty-two, thirty-six thousand subscribers on Twitch. That's subscribers, not not concurrent what? viewers. Concur- I'm talking concurrent concurrent viewers. viewers. It was probably in the thousands, in the like low one to. 3,000. Because I'm thinking of like, you know, those attendance records for football stadiums and all that. You're talking 50,000 people yep. plus, right? Yeah. Some of those stadiums hold, you know, 80, 90,000 people. And when I listen to a podcast or I won't call on it to Twitch, right? I'm not one. I'm at home in my pajamas, you know. <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to drive to a stadium. Two, I just, you know, turn it on and listen to it. It costs me nothing. It's not costing me 40, 50 bucks at the oh, gate to get into that. 50,000 people paying 50 bucks base price to get in there plus, you know, a $10 beer, a $5 pretzel, like... And then, the and then level. $40 t-shirts. And I mean, yeah. because it's not like a physical thing either, like, I don't feel like there's much reason for them to present it outside of the internet or television too. So, like, in what situation where would it be where D&D is, you know, making that <clears throat> kinds of money? The second we get something that has us have a foam finger. And then we're, we're maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe when VR kicks off, there you go. Then and everything you know is done virtually, and we just stop seeing each other humans. Then then it'll work out. That's right. I have no uh, idea how we're going to close this topic. Oh well, okay. So I have like a final kind of talking point, which is: uh, is it possible to? produce a tabletop experience that people are going to clamor to watch to root for one side or another like could you have pvp tabletop that people are like rooting for a team i mean i think it would be see at that point though it's all like mechanics heavy min maxing mm. and is it is that as entertaining? Uh, that's like, true. Is it, that, then that, no, that, it isn't. That's specific to, to a certain kind of crowd that even wants 
that's that a, in a specific hobby that they also have to like. That's a really good point. And one thing that comes to mind for me is I don't, uh, I haven't started listening really to uh, Critical Role. Like, I, I've, I've kind of dabbled, I guess you could say, but I don't oh, okay. yeah. listen like a lot. <clears throat> but, you know, something happened like a couple weeks ago. Because it was the only thing on my Twitter feed for like three fucking days. Because <laughs> it was the end of their but first people, campaign. Like, it was it was the digital equivalent of you know thousands of people holding up their lighters. Yes. In a stadium, you know, and and teary eyed, and and so it's absolutely viable that people will be emotionally invested. It doesn't have to be oh, yeah. a team versus a team, right? But they can be just invested I, in that party. I think it may be more comparable to like professional wrestling where you know it's more of a show than it is eric and i were just talking about that today okay yeah you know that's it's more of a show you're you're putting on a show than you are necessarily rooting for a team or you know showing how great you are at, mm-hmm. at doing a, having a certain talent and there's and there's a lot of psychology that goes into professional wrestling to get you emotionally invested mm-hmm. right because um I don't want to say anything's going to get me beat up, but, like, <laughs> there's not a lot of, um, I don't want to say mystery, but there's professional wrestling, professional wrestling, and anybody who watches it for the most part knows what they're watching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, to get to get people emotionally invested, you know, of two individuals trying to beat the crap out of each other, and, 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 you know, with whatever context there may be there, that's a neat trick, right? To, to know, like, okay, I'm, I want to watch these two go at it. Even though if I go on Twitter and I and I look at this person's profile, I will see them hanging out with that person that they're supposed to hate at Universal Studios, right? Like, I mean, but they, they still able to do it. I used to watch it twice a week. So, I mean... <laughs> They got and I me, can't get you right? to listen to Critical Role. <laughs> um, I think it will happen, but it's just, you know, as soon as I can cut some time on my wrestling. Okay. Is mean, there a wrestling season? No. Okay. Well, then. 365. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, I, I feel like that the <clears throat> professional wrestling uh, analogy works pretty well, too, because, you know, you're, you're building a story as you go of that specific character they have certain drama that goes on Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah like it's I mean you just need you throw some antagonists in there you know as the DM but it (laughs) would be neater if you know all of those were players Um, you know what what if Ben just answered our question and the question being can you can RPGs get to the level of organized sports what if they already have what if professional wrestling is that the oh my god of RPGs getting to that level it kind of is well done Ben yeah <laughs> my mind exploding <laughs> no it absolutely is they are playing characters mm-hmm. but they've taken elements of sports mm-hmm. and there's got to be a DM there's got to be somebody who's coordinating all of this mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. Is it? Do the managers get together? I don't. I don't know professional wrestling. Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon is the DM. Yeah, is now, the only DM. And now we own five dollars because of his name. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, then we can just pull it full circle and 
play a tabletop game about professional wrestling. There you go. <laughs> I'm I'm almost positive there's gotta be no there is there. Yeah. there definitely is. I've never played one, but I know that there is. <laughs> yeah. There'll be our next episode. I think well, we will do an actual play of professional wrestling. I think there's one the specific top. for luchadors and like. Nice. Oh, that sounds familiar. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'd play that. How, to show our commitment, we could all, we could all wear masks while playing, which nobody will know because it's an audio podcast. <laughs> Except you'll you'll hear the little squeaking of the of the leather. I don't know. Or polyester. Or whatever we, can, it is. we can just put that in there, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll prep myself by watching Nacho Libre beforehand. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, well, we've answered the question. And question answered. Question answered. So <laughs> First time we've ever actually definitively answered one of our questions. You're welcome. <laughs> that's that's why we have Ben here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Ben, you're a game changer. You just change the way we do things here. All right. That's what I'm here for. That's right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. In our next discussion episode, we'll talk about the alignment grid, good versus evil, and law versus chaos. Again, we'll be joined by our friend and colleague, Ben Krickenberger. As always, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter at dungeon underscore tangent, or go to our website, dungeonsandtangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.